Welcome to the Lesbian Podcast. This is Charlie. I'm Jay Church. And today we have a guest host in, Tom. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Glad to be here. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about the origin of your name today? Um, Well, if anyone has ever read or seen the video to being the Velvet, uh, the two female performers in there refer to themselves as Toms. Mm-hmm. Or Tom, and uh, as far as I understand it, from a few decades back, that's what women would say. You know, I'm a Tom, like a butch, uh, or just a lesbian. Lesbian AKA in the dyke. general sense, yeah. Dyke. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cute. Mm-hmm. I knew I'm that. Tom today, ladies. <laughs> and what's your background? Uh, what's my background? Well, let's see. I've lived here in the city, San Francisco, for about four years. Um, I've worked with children and families for almost a decade and a half um for a while there i was working in uh, the school school districts then i was running an um, enrichment program for a while for children and then i was a social worker which is the most influential and profound experience that i've had yeah and weren't you also working with queer youth i was as part of being a social worker um cps child protective services down in Central Valley in Fresno, I did have some queer youth, and it was a difficult system, I think, to work with then, because in my opinion, I believe the system to be a little bit broken, and um, the funding not to be there, and even more so now in our current predicament, we'll say, Um, but advocating for such youth as queer youth, in the general sense, um, is really difficult. Because a lot of services aren't there and they're not recognized or they're shunned in a lot of ways. And being a really loud kind of squeaky will and advocate for them, it was hard for me to work within that system where I knew what services would be beneficial or helpful and not getting being being able to get support for those youth there and then myself kind of like... Uh, suffering the backlash from that was really difficult and since moving here in San Francisco I have not gotten back into social services for that reason it's really it's really hard to work in a system that's broken yeah. and unfortunately it's different here in San Francisco because um, you know we're all about you know the queers <laughs> <laughs> the dykes and the gays and all of that all of those lovely things um, but yeah that's my choice now and I still work with children though Well, thanks for being here. Now let's get into Q News. Q News. Queer news you can use. Okay, starting off this week in Q News, um, we're going to start with uh, Obama and his White House initiatives. Uh, A few months back, I talked about how he had laid out a pretty comprehensive plan for gay rights. It was really detailed and clear and posted on his website. Uh, recently his website's been changed, however, and what was once a long bulleted list is now roughly a paragraph. And before it said that he was going to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and it spelled this out. Now it's kind of been tailored back to say he's in support of repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And so when the White House correspondent was asked about this, they said that, you know, the websites undergo routine maintenance get a facelift regularly, and then it wasn't just the gay initiatives page. But I'm wondering what you guys think. Does the wording make a difference? Sounds like he's taking a couple steps back. Slowly. 
That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that the wording does make a difference in our current political and environmental sort of atmosphere. I kind of do agree with the don't ask, don't tell, but I come from a different perspective where it really shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if I'm this or that or something in between and all of the gray shades or whatever. But I think that politically speaking, it is important to be on of the forefront with certain things and I think Obama has been playing that line ever since he has been campaigning which I understand Um, yeah I think it's kind of unfortunate just to clarify what you were saying you agree with don't ask don't tell in terms of you think that people shouldn't have to identify but you don't really agree that you should be kicked out for being gay right okay absolutely yeah Um, I think it shouldn't matter and I think that shouldn't people shouldn't concern themselves with something almost so trivial as to their performance right like someone's identification as being one thing or another um doesn't really reflect their performance right in my opinion i agree so next on our list we have lesbians this year who have been named as grand marshals for the san francisco pride parade (gasps) pride's coming up so exciting (laughs) end of june uh, so the, the lesbians are Molly McKay and Davina Kotolsky. Um, they're longtime marriage equality advocates. Uh, Molly is an attorney, and she's currently Marriage Equality USA's media director. And Davina is a psychologist and a life coach and the author of Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage. So congratulations. Good to have yes, us ladies. representing. Definitely. And then following such great news, we got to follow up with something crazy. <laughs> Alan Keyes, uh, who's a former Illinois senator and, I believe, presidential candidate. He's also the father to Maya Keyes, who's an LGBT activist, was arrested at Obama's speech at Notre Dame. I don't know if this is surprising to anybody, but um, he's a staunch anti-gay and anti-abortion advocate, despite the fact that his daughter's a lesbian. He I'm sorry, Mike. Sounds like Dick Cheney. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I wonder how that works. He actually um, is probably most known in the gay community for calling Dick Cheney's lesbian daughter a uh, selfish hedonist. Wow. Yeah. So he was arrested um, because Notre Dame is a Catholic university, and they invited Obama for his commence- to give the commencement speech at graduation. So I guess 22 or 26 people were arrested for doing anti-abortion protests. And they had some shenanigans like bringing dolls, babies, and cribs and having them covered in blood. And- oh my gosh. So That's ridiculous. People are graduating. It has nothing to do with abortion. Like, they're just yeah. using that... A little vivid, uh, I think. There's probably a bunch of kids there too that were like, "That's oh, really my baby. sad." It's just really sad. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate that his daughter's a lesbian. He cut her off completely, but that's a whole other show. It is. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have Dick Cheney on our show, and <laughs> right, we'll have Dick Cheney on our show. <laughs> <laughs> and both our daughters, and we'll all go out afterwards. <laughs> Obama made some funny comment about Dick Cheney um, in a speech like over the weekend he, he said something like yeah Dick Cheney's working on his memoirs how to shoot your friends and <gasps> influence cut people. your family something members like off that. because they're gay <laughs> what was it what was it that he said did you uh, say oh how to, how to shoot your friends and interrogate people <laughs> that's what he's good at <laughs> okay and to close out Q News today we have to go back to the Miss California drama 
what's we going on there? Um, so we talked last week about how the Miss California pageant paid for her fake tits. Um, this week, more nude pictures have come out, and the Miss California board, I guess, got together to decide if they were going to keep her. And mm-hmm. Shanna Mokler's on the board, Travis Barker's on-again, off-again wife. And um, she was saying that, you know, you're asked if you have nude pictures or stuff like that. And that she said, Carrie Pergine, Miss California, said no. And so, as a result, she entered the contest on false pretenses, since there actually were pictures. And um, so because of that, they have basically appointed the first runner-up as the Miss California ambassador and Carrie Pergine is basically a figurehead at this point. They can't actually not make her Miss California because Donald Trump owns the pageant. Mm-hmm. So I think they've basically just removed her of her duties, but she still has the crown, if that makes any sense. And her boobs. <laughs> hey, I haven't removed her, <laughs> her boobs yet. I thought we were going to repossess those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Repo. But I think the biggest story the here... I the right one. <laughs> the right one. The biggest story here is that, um, as we mentioned previously, she was a figurehead for the National Organization for Marriage, which is headed by a, a woman named Maggie Gallagher. And during the press conference with the Miss California pageant, um, Keith Lewis, who also sits on the board with Shannon, Shannon Mokler, um, made a statement saying, uh, basically he said, shame, shame, shame. He shamed them for taking advantage of Carrie Pergine and exploiting her to further their agenda while parting her into a firestorm she was unprepared for and positioning her to lose a crown. Here's the killer statement, though. Lewis went on to say that it was ironic to him that 42% of the organization's donations went directly into Maggie Gallagher's pockets. 42%. Not quite half, but almost. (laughs) But pretty close. (laughs) Of those... Those the shitstorm is upon us uh, marriage commercials. Oh my gosh. That's only 58% of the budget that's going to make those. I'm not familiar with those. I don't watch TV. They're on our website, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I don't really go on the website. Welcome to the Lesbian Podcast. (laughs) Wait, we're on the Lesbian Podcast? (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, be sure to not donate to that organization, because I know you were planning to. (laughs) Right. But that's a lot. I mean, I can understand like 10, 20% for administrative cost. 42. 42%. All those anti marriage people are just getting taken. I really don't feel bad about it, though. Whatever. <laughs> and Someone on. has to take their money. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into rainbow rumors. Rainbow rumors! So today I have something special for you all. We're doing the 2009 AfterEllen.com Hot 100 Women. Yay! Anyone have a guess on who's number one? Tom. Is it Tom? <laughs> Yourself? You're on the... I put my vote in for you. <laughs> That's right. Here's your $100. <laughs> Actually, it's Portia de Rossi. Ooh, she's hot. That's a good call. I don't yeah. think she's hot, but she's not really my type. But I also think that she's number one because, you know, the whole marriage to Ellen thing. Her face is out there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think she's a superb actress, but whatever. Oh, I love the character she plays. Because you love that show she's on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <sighs> Moving on, number two. Number two. Um, so sad. Anyone that comes in number two... Jennifer Beals. And this is the second year in a row that she's number two. I feel like Last she should year, be number one. She was number two. Right? How yeah. can 
I have a huge yeah. crush on How her. How can you play Bet, who's a total type A personality, top um, power dyke, yeah, on the most amazing show ever? She's probably Be number two. She's number two. <laughs> most amazing show ever. <laughs> Bet would stab number one. <laughs> she would shake her. Watch out, watch out. Or push her <laughs> off the balcony. And do a pull. That's another show. <laughs> and then number three, one of my favorite actresses, just because she's so fucking hot, Lena Hetty. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, but she was on Imagine Me and You. She was the florist mm-hmm. that fell in love with um, Piper Perabu. Piper Perabu that was walking down the aisle, got married. So the whole movie is about them falling in love, and she's super hot. She's super hot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm a bad lesbian. I've missed that movie. She's also was she the she was in Three Hundred I think she was the wife or something Three Hundred yeah I don't know what that is she's hot our producer is nodding in agreement yes, thank is. you very much <laughs> um, number four Leisha Haley she's as cute. we all know Alice mm-hmm. Yeah. my favorite character on L Word but I don't I don't think she's the hottest. She's cute. On that show. I think she's totally cute, yeah. I think it's her personality, It's her, too. It's her personality. Yeah. yeah. Her yeah. humor. She's Goofiness. perky, like... <laughs> How is it again? Um, Tom's referring to the boobs. Or the nips. <laughs> right? The boobs and the nips, you know. Yeah. That's a little package. <laughs> they all go together. I hope so. That would be weird if they knew it. <laughs> boobs, no nips. <laughs> <laughs> or or nips no boobs. That'd be even well. There are some people like that though. <laughs> I love you too though. Mosquito okay. bite. Okay. Uh, number five, Sarah Shahi. I'm sure everyone agrees. Wow. I'm Carmen. She's, yeah. She's. I'm surprised high. she's not ranked higher. But she's not a real lesbian. Yeah, she's. She pregnant. just had a baby she's or above. something. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, are not my type, but I no. have to agree. Carmen's pretty hot. She's pretty hot. Yeah. She's attractive. I've never been like. You know, when that whole little lap dance scene came up and a lot of my friends were like, oh my gosh, she's so hot. Including my girlfriend at the time. And I was like, um, we're broken up for the night, just so you know. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> but I think she's hotter than Leisha Haley. I mean, if we're just talking I, I think girls go more on girls go more on than just physicality. I mean, I think mm. people would think yeah. Leisha Haley's hotter because of her personality. And Don't she's you? really gay, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. she's really gay, which gets her points right there. So there's more of a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, number six, Rachel Maddow. I think we all agree. Yeah. Pretty hot. She's pretty hot. Mm-hmm. Um, first non-intelligence is really hot. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's That's the first non-fem on the list. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. She's also married, so none of our listeners or us really have a chance anyways. Yeah. <laughs> No. <laughs> um, number seven, Tina Fey. Love, love, loved her and her hot teacher glasses on SNL. Just saying. Sarah Palin? Yeah. This is before this Sarah This is when Palin. you thought Sarah Palin was hot. No, this is actually after she retired and she went back on the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, This is yeah. way before when she did news with Jimmy Fallon. So hot. Okay. So this um, is before your Sarah Palin crush. Exactly. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm glad you're over that, by the My way. My non-existent Sarah Palin crush. Hello. Oh, you had a crush on her during the election. 
Don't try to deny it now. <laughs> I didn't have a crush on her. I thought she was attractive. All right. And all then right. as time went by, she just got uglier and uglier. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jay Church. <laughs> um, number eight, Sarah Ramirez. She is Callie on Grey's Anatomy. And she's actually um, the one character that has a queer uh, plot line. So, but nice. anyways, um, I, I like think she's attractive. Lines. Good job for also being the same rank as 2008. She was also number eight last year. It's always good to maintain. Gotta stay steady. Being consistent. Right. Mm -hmm. Something to be said about consistency. True. Number nine. We're not sure why. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Angelina Jolie. Wow, she's still on the list. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about Angelina. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. I'm not... Yeah. Whatever. She's a homewrecker. Um, But... (laughs) I, I'm glad she's not number one. That's all I have to say. Because when she was dating Jenny Shimizu, I totally prefer Jenny Shimizu. Yeah, I would take Jenny Shimizu over Angelina any day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ooh, were you about to say <laughs> something? I couldn't think, no. think of her name. Oh, I was going to say, you know, I always hear lesbians, like, I don't know, a few years back, they'd always be like, oh, Angelina Jolie. I always prefer Gina Gershon. Yes. <gasps> oh, and Bound, Hot Porky. Bound. Those lips. Yeah, it's oh all about the God. lips. And a little wife beater. Yeah, and a little totally. Like, I like yes. the dykey look. You do, do you? I do. <laughs> no, really? All right. That's not what I heard. <laughs> That's not what she said. <laughs> and last but not least, this is actually the only woman on the list that I hadn't heard of. But her name is Gro Hammers. I'm sorry, Gro Hammersing. God bless you. Thank you. Gro Hammersing is the captain of the Olympic gold medal winning Norway women's national handball team. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm not the only one that hasn't heard of her, but... Um, How did she make the list? I guess uh, she won a gold medal. Her and her team did. I was but hoping she... you'd repeat that bio again. <laughs> that was a very long title. Um, she is she also an sweet. out lesbian athlete. And I guess fans are, you know, follow, you know, her the news about that team. Because she is dating the t- her teammate, Katya Nyberg. And they oh. love how affectionate they are in public and all of that so oh, very cute very i'm cute. a big Norwegian fan of couple. people yeah being out and also being affectionate is rare yeah absolutely yeah. yes i like that she's rounding up the top 10 yes. yes yes very good well those are all the rainbow rumors i had for you today let's get into our interview with our special guest Sherilyn Connolly. she is a writer performer spoken word artist Okay, so we've had a lot of discussion on the show lately about um, FTM transsexuals and how they relate to the lesbian world. And while we were doing research for those shows, we realized that it seemed like uh, M to F transsexuals are generally overlooked, and there's not a lot of information out there about it. So we started wondering, who are these people, and where do they exist? (laughs) Um, So we we managed to find one today. Her name is (laughs) Sherilyn Conley. In captivity and everything. (laughs) We've captured her and brought her to the studio. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for coming on the show. No problem. So um, just to start off, could you give us um, a brief background? 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, my name is Sherilyn Connolly, and I am, as you say, a male to female transsexual. I began transitioning in 1998. Officially came out to like everyone in '99, and by 2001, and started like on hormones and electrolysis in '98. And by 2001, had changed my driver's license and my social security card, and have been living, as they say, full time since then. Okay. Um, prior to that, were you living a gay lifestyle? No, no. Uh, before that, I was essentially a straight boy. Okay. I have. That's something that's like not changed about me at all. I've like always liked girls on either side of my transition. Mm-hmm. For a lot of trannies, it does change, but for me, it's just like no. It just that's been like the one steady thing all throughout is that I've always liked girls. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I kind of wish that I liked boys as well, because I would get so much more action if I did. <laughs> you know, for, for strictly practical purposes, it would be great if I also liked boys. But, you know, I, and I've tried. I've kind of tried to, like, move in that direction. But it's, I mean, with all due respects to your wonderful techie here, it's just not, you know, I've tried. It's, I'm just not wired that way. Just I wish I was, you. but I like girls. Yeah, just oh, how I'm built. Just I'm wired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's just a natural thing. <laughs> We're not wired that way either. Yeah. <laughs> so, true story. <laughs> yeah. Do you um? So, like you were saying, do you think that there's uh, more possibilities for dating if you did like boys as opposed to girls? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Because the percentage of, at least from my experiences, the percentage percentage of girls who are into or are even willing to like take a chance on male to female transsexuals is very, very, very small. It's it's a very limited field, and it's kind of been hunted to extinction at this point. Yeah, and there's a lot more boys. I know this because, like, Divas, there's like the big tranny bar in town, Divas, at, like, Polk and yeah, Post. Yeah, I live right by there. Yeah, yeah, I'm very fond. I, I fond of it. I was just there last night, as a matter of fact. And I know that if I liked boys, and I also know this from being a regular at the Power Exchange as well, I would be set because there are many, many boys out there who like MDEF trannies and, you know, go to places like Divas or, like, you know, back in the day, went to the Power Exchange. And especially if I wasn't picky about it, you know, if I was just like, you know, looking for like a dick to suck or whatever, I would be set. Or even if I was looking to get into a relationship with a boy, there's a lot of them out there. And the thing is, there might be, I mean, for all I really know, there might be a lot of girls who are into MDEF trannies as well, but they're not really putting that out there, you know? Mm -hmm. They very seldom like, you know, go to divas. I'm on uh, OkCupid, which is like the hipster dating site these days. You know, it's like the Facebook of dating sites. It's like what all the cool kids are doing (laughs) right now. And um, haven't been having like a lot of luck there either. Haven't been getting like a lot of responses from from, like, you know, girls who like seem like they might be interested Mm -hmm. in trannies who like list themselves as bisexual. That's another thing. Most, again, from my dating experience, most girls who are going to be into trannies tend to, if they don't explicitly identify as bisexual, then at the very least they have had relationships with boys in the past or are willing to continue to. I have yet to actually be involved with a girl who considers herself 100% pure, card-carrying, absolute, you know, landowner on the island of Lesbos, lesbian. <laughs> a gold star. Exactly, exactly, yeah. They always have to have that certain... Uh, okayness, attraction to this uh, certain component of them that's okay with some degree of maleness, or else they're just not going to be into male to female trannies. You know, because I mean, we would like to think most of us you know, MDF trannies would like to think that, you know, we're all women. And psychologically and in our souls, mentally, yeah, sure, absolutely. But right. physically, not so much. 
you know mm -hmm. the fact is the fact is that you know i was fully male-bodied until i was 25 that's when i started on hormones and started electrolysis and you know i'm still like six feet tall and because of dna and because of my bone structure i'm still kind of built like a linebacker and there's nothing i can do to change that so yeah that's been some of the uh, problems i've faced so are a lot of butch women true <laughs> true that true that and i that's the other thing i wish i wish i was attracted i'm just not attracted to like masculinity like in almost any level i'm just not that attracted to to butches to f to m's to masculine women in general mm -hmm. again i wish i was because that would just like open up the field a great deal but it's like not only am i that you know somewhat rare creature of like a femme who likes other femmes which as we all know is impossible it doesn't work that can't that can't happen that's those relationships are doomed as a rule we all know that but i'm an m to f femme who likes femmes and that is a really, really, really narrow niche. Mm. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at. So um, you mentioned divas earlier. I'm curious because I know a lot of times the Lex has recently been referred to as an F to M bar. If mm -hmm. someone was interested in M to F, would, is that divas? Would they go there pretty much? Yeah, yeah. I have actually, like, on one occasion I was there because... <sighs> Every so often, I'll go there with the tension of like, you know, I might get lucky, lightning might strike out of clear blue sky, <laughs> and a genetic femme might walk in wanting to hook up with an MDF tranny. Yeah. And like, it has happened like, you know, once in like the last five years. So for there's me. hope. There is hope. There is hope. And yeah, in as much as the Lexington can be seen as an F to M bar, which is among the reasons I don't really go into it, I don't really feel, I don't feel like discriminated against or persecuted mm -hmm. at the Lex, but I feel tolerated at best oh, you know i can go in there and nobody's gonna give me any static really but no one's gonna give me anything else right either whereas at least if i go to divas i mean it's like i was there last night you know for their karaoke night as much as anything else i did dark into the street and my favorite mistake because you know i have some old demons i'm trying to work out <laughs> and the whole time i was there there was like this old hippie fellow sitting across from me just staring at me just boring boring holes to the back of my skull with his eyes uh, it's like on the one hand okay ew gross yeah. on the other hand oh my gosh there's someone who actually thinks i'm sexy yeah. there's someone who is actually desiring me there is someone who there is someone who is actually heaven forbid objectifying me <laughs> and you know that's a nice thing once in a while it's like i know we're supposed to be like totally against that anti-objectification but when you're not getting it anywhere else especially like in a positive sense mm -hmm. it's a you little know bit of validation absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. most of the most of the objectification that mdef gets mdefs like us get are like you know that we're like weirdos that we're like freaks that we're like you know what are why is that like why is that man dressed like that you know what is he Ooh, gross and it's nice once in a while to have someone just like you know, look at me and want to fuck me. You know, you, you can see it's validation, you know. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen, but it's nice to know that on some level, I still have it. Do you think that it's because people are scared to come out as being perhaps queer in the general sense of the word? Or because as we were talking before the... Um, we started recording that within the community itself, the gay community I'm talking about, or the queer community, that there can be a lot of instances where different sub subgroups within the community are ostracized mm -hmm. or like is it fear or what do you think that that comes from oh i mean yeah there is as you say like a lot of ostracization like you know within the queer community overall and mdefs do tend to like you know be like i've at the very bottom of the ladder you know there's a definite sexual hierarchy in this town and unfortunately so unfortunately true. so but it's 
it's unfortunate, but it's also human nature. Period. As soon as you have like three humans together, the two of them are going to discriminate and like try to find a way to put themselves above the third. It's just how Homo sapiens are put together. Mm-hmm. And in super happy, sex positive San Francisco, again at the bottom of the ladder, you have the M to F trannies. Whether lesbian or not doesn't really matter. You know, mm-hmm. just the M to F trannies in general. And I'm sorry, what was your original question there about like the people who are like afraid of like being seen as queer? Do you mean the people who are like M to M deaf trannies or uh, people who would uh, possibly be interested in like approaching you, but being is, do you think that's like a fearful thing? Like I, I'm scared because then that I would automatically be, I have quotations in the air, like guilty by association right. that I make like that. You say the hippie man and I am, you know, like, and that's great validation at the same time. There could be a beautiful femme woman who would really want to jump your bones and maybe there's, there's, there's got to be wood around here. Knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, they're out there. You're hot. I'm working on it. I'm okay. working. I'm trying to find them. <laughs> Are you saying they might be hesitant because they're afraid they might be ostracized for liking? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. Criticism. And um, I do think that like liking MDF trannies is probably like the one like love that dare not speak its name that's like mm-hmm. left on the books at this point. Because, you know, all the rest of it is there, all the rest, we, you know, everyone else, like, you know, has their groups and, like, you know, is up, like, towards the front of, like, you know, the Dyke March and, like, you know, the Pride Parade and all that. But trannies and people who like trannies. I mean, for example, my uh, second girlfriend, the first one I had when I started transitioning, uh, she was from Kansas originally. And when she was telling her coworkers that she was getting involved with an MDF tranny, a lot of them actually, and she was, you know, they had to first, of course, ask, you know, what the hell does that mean? And then when she explained it to them, a lot of them said, well, I don't, okay, A, if you like girls, then why not just get together with an actual girl? You know, mm-hmm. why, like, get involved with this person? And B, if this person is going to become a girl, but still is, you know, is a boy that's going to become a girl, but still likes girls, why don't they just remain a boy? And I have still encountered that even these last couple of years here in San Francisco. Some people who are still like, you know, well, you know, why would a girl who like, you know, likes girls get with a a tranny when there's plenty of like real girls around? It's like they just can't quite wrap their brain around the fact that that can actually be like a valid form of desire as well. Yeah, Yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more education in terms of there's a difference between gender and sexual identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just that there's that we still have like more kinds of diversity to like map and categorize. Yeah. And we've done a pretty good job of it so far, but there's still like a lot more out there that, I mean, it seems to me like often the only time that the overall queer community really acknowledges trannies and, and not just like drag queens or female impersonators, but actual like MDF trannies, transsexuals is actually, you know, this, this is our lives. It's like, we tend to like be ignored for the most part, until, for example, one of the uh, tranny hookers in the Tenderloin, the ones who you know yeah. operate out of divas, when one of them is found dead on the side of the road, then all of a sudden everyone will like you know gather at the twenty fourth and Mission Bart Station mm-hmm. for like the candlelight vigil, yeah. and then all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, it's such a tragedy, you know, it's so awful, you know, we need to like we need to make work to make sure these things don't happen, and then by the de- next day everyone's forgotten about it and no one cares anymore. In terms of um, MTF lesbians, um, why do you think there's not that much visibility? Because I've, I've never seen one at, I mean, aside from the Lex, like, I mean, the other lesbian parties, Cockblock, the light, you know, Rebel Girl, I've mm-hmm. never seen an MTF lesbian there. And maybe they just pass so well, I don't know. But there may well be a few there who do actually pass. 
And um, for those of us who don't pass quite as well, or, you know, if I may be so bold, look rather aesthetically pleasing, but are still, like, obviously trannies. Mm -hmm. You know, I sort of, like, put myself in there. It's like, I don't pass 100%, but, you know, I don't necessarily break a mirror when I look at it either. You know, I'm just kind of in between (laughs) there. And I know that I personally... Again, it's the whole, it's the Lexington thing where I don't feel like necessarily comfortable or wanted there. You know, I mean, I'll be tolerated, but I'm not what anyone is there, anyone there is looking for. You know, at most, maybe some people might see me and like think, oh, you know, oh, great, look how diverse we're being. You know, they might feel good about themselves because like they're letting the MDF trannies in, but. I don't feel like those those situations offer anything for me because I've been to enough of them and like been ignored and you know I've been to like you know all girl sex parties where you know cons- like there'll be signs in the wall saying like you know consent is implied mm-hmm. that kind of thing and everyone else is like going at everyone else and you know I'll like make just like the most beginning like tentative of moves with a girl just like you know rubbing her leg or whatever and nine times out of ten she'll be like no thanks that's all right don't Mm. and it's like okay all right yeah you know that's fine that's valid i you know totally respect that i you know obviously like step back and it's no problem but that's what i encounter in most places that get tolerated but not much more Mm. in terms of why we're not more visible i think also has to do with the fact that we don't we being mdef trannies mdef lesbians in particular we don't mesh together very well really we don't organize together very well anywhere near as well as I was gonna ask that yeah we don't have like like uh, I'm not sure who it was I was actually talking to about this on a chat earlier today yeah we don't necessarily have like you know organizations and like you know websites and like, even bars and right. such like that which is probably because M to F's in general don't really tend to organize because we were scattered before transition Whereas, as you, you know, probably know, most F to M's come from, like, the Butch Dyke scene. Right. Not all of them, but a vast majority, easily 90, 95% of them right. come from there. Whereas most M to F's do not come from, we just come from wherever it was that we came from. You know, we weren't hanging out in the same bars before. Right. We weren't going to the same clubs before. We didn't, you know, have these this one particular like music, you know, ex- you know, exclusive music festival in Michigan <laughs> that we all used to go to, or a bathhouse on Valencia or anything like that. We all come from like different directions, <laughs> and so we don't really, we don't always feel comfortable around each other. We don't have that ingrained sense of community that, from my observation, FTMs tend to have. And especially then when you work in, and then when you work in like the, uh, you know, the lesbian angle, i.e. those of us who like girls, that's where it comes back into like the scarcity issue. You know, there's like not a lot of us, all things considered, but there's even fewer girls out there. If, you know, I might go for the metaphor, there's, there's, there's fewer, there's less prey out there. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of like bare our teeth at like the other trannies who we think are like moving in on our, on our, on our prey. Yeah. Again, if I may, yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. And that combined with, you know, we're just, we have a, we don't feel as comfortable at ourselves in general. We're working on it, but don't feel as comfortable ourselves in general as F to M's tend to, because again, we don't have that support and we've grown up with images in the media of that kind of thing of, you know, male to female transsexuals, transvestites, any kind of gender blurring from male to female as being something to be mocked and something to be laughed at and something weaker, something weaker, something humiliating. And so we're trying to, we have to like work past 
all this like you know horrible like you know media and cultural baggage that pr- probably prevented us from transitioning earlier mm-hmm. that's mostly just um, not mostly but i mean there are cultures that totally glorify or oh, glorify ab- might not be the right word but isn't like thailand that Th- culture don't they absolutely you know i speak of course strictly of america Lady in this voice. case yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah yeah and you know there are times when i'm like Really, really, did I have to be born like a you know six foot tall white person in America? <laughs> Thanks, universe. You couldn't have like put me in a different hemisphere, maybe a little bit to the west, a little bit southern. No, you couldn't. All right, fine. I'll I'll deal with it. Here I am. So now I I, I Tom this is Tom here. Um, <laughs> Hi Tom. Hi, Tom. <laughs> Hello. Have uh, lived here in the city for only four years, but ever since I have lived here and just shortly before. Um, so the Trinity March, this is part of the Pride celebration that happens in June, late June, mm-hmm, everybody, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, um, have always heard that on Thursdays when they march, that there is sort of like this like separation, like disparity between each individual group. And I always thought this was very unfortunate because, like I had mentioned before, in our community, I feel like we should embrace one another mm-hmm. and find strength within each other. But I just don't feel that's the case. And what do you think is happening and what do you think that can happen to change that? Oh, that's a good question. Well, you're, yeah, you're absolutely right. And again, it goes back to that unfortunate tendency of humans to like, you know, divide against one another, like, you know, get in our tribes, no matter how small the group is that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I've, I've never actually marched in the trans march before. I, I, I myself have like this weird kind of block where I support it, but don't actually want to be in it i mean again that just kind of goes to show how like deeply ingrained these divisions are and how mm-hmm. difficult it is for us to like really come together and i mean i don't posit myself as any kind of like shining example of like you know what a good progressive tranny in san francisco should be right. but like yeah. i've like you know been tangentially involved with the trans march but i don't actually want to be in it myself it doesn't really feel like my own thing but like mm-hmm. you know watching it go by for example yeah i have noticed that much more so than, say, like, you know, the Dyke March, you have a lot more people who are, like, marching by themselves, mm-hmm. who are walking along by themselves and, like, walking along, rather than walking along in groups, you don't have as many, like, and what factions you have, at least the factions in the Dyke March tend to be, like, a little bit bigger and there's more of a sense of community there. Uh, and, like, really not so much with the Trans March. And I don't have political issues with the Trans March. It's like I'm. I fully support it. But I do know. I do know trannies who do, who think that's like a bad thing that like shouldn't happen. That it like for reasons I've never really quite wrapped yeah, my brain that around. Be? That it's like putting out like what they don't think is the proper view of like how trannies are. Again, I don't fully understand that myself. But as for the question of like how we can like fix that, how we can like get more community going. I really, I've been wondering that, wondering that a lot myself lately, because mm-hmm. I was re- recently involved in a uh, transgender job fair with the one we were talking about, like off mic beforehand, which is specifically so that like trannies looking for work can like hook up with employers who have like gone, undergone like a trans friendly like you know training, so that they are like actually like r- ready and hopefully willing to like accept us in. And um, after the job fair, I went to like a post job fair workshop where there were like seven or eight of us in the room, seven or eight MDEF trannies. And we should have been all there working together. I mean, even like the moderator of the workshop said at one point that, you know, everyone in this room, they are your best chances of like getting a job. This is like all about networking. You all need to like work together. Mm-hmm. There was no way that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We could barely even like look at each other. Really? There was just like this very, very palpable sense of separation between us. 
you know, because I think we're also like very insular in our own ways. And we're looking at the other, like you're someone who is likely to take this job that I am looking for as much as we should be able to like work together. We're still looking at each other as you are going, you are the other animal that's going to take away my meat. You're the other animal that's going to get in the way of my survival. And, um, actually to tie it into the whole lesbian thing, there was one genetic girl in the room. That's not true. There were two genetic girls, a, 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 like, okay, I'll say it, really stunning blonde and her girlfriend, who was also very cute if they're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Megan and Vasti, you were both very cute. (laughs) But there was, like, this definite sense in the room that, you know, my my intuition usually tells me, like, when another tranny is, like, into boys or girls or girls or both. Not always right, but, you know, I can usually tell. Like trans dar. Exactly. I was, I was trying to avoid the, you know, the dash dar metaphors, but yes, exactly like that. And I'll I could, <laughs> that's why you're the host. And I could just tell that everyone was just kind of like, you know, kind of like glancing over there and kind of thinking, oh, you know, she's involved, but damn, she's cute. And, you know, we, we broke off into like, you know, into like, you know, pairs every so often to like, you know, do workshoppy kind of stuff, the kind of stuff we all hate doing in workshops because we have to work with a stranger on stuff. <laughs> and it was obvious that everyone was kind of like hoping to get their chance, you know, with like, you know, the one really hot girl to the extent that when I finally like got together with her and I'd actually talked to her before because we actually networked the job she's looking for. I think I can help her. I have mm-hmm. some connections for her. And in the last pairing when like, you know, her and I were like, okay, yeah, you, you and me this time, there was another trainee, this one who like, we had like really, really been oil and watering. We had really not been like, you know, meshing well at all. And she seemed kind of, she had like a perma scowl going on. She did, <laughs> she was like not a happy camper. <laughs> And so, like, when I started to go over to, like, the genetic girl, I glanced over at the other tranny, and she couldn't really quite do this because, as, like, a fully evolved homo sapien, her, her face doesn't work this way, but essentially, she bared her teeth at me. <laughs> she basically gave this look oh, of, like, no. oh, my God, you get away. No, that is mine. How dare you? Wow. I'm about to, like, rip your neck out for going near my food. I just got the, yeah, Uh-oh. just, like, this real <laughs> sense of, that's mine, get away. And for me, that was just, like, a microcosm of the problems and the issues that we need to like overcome in the tranny community that we just have such a hard time like coming together and working together. And I have no idea how to fix it. I can't even fix it within myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't even figure out how to get past these blocks in myself. So I have no idea how as a community we're going to do it. I just know we kind of need to. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, we got to wrap things up today. I wanted to thank Tom for coming by to host with us. Oh, thank you. And especially thank you, Sherilyn. For Absolutely. My pleasure. Giving us a voice we don't normally hear. Where might we see you next? Are you performing somewhere reading next? Um, as a matter of fact, yes. Oh, gosh. You know, if you go to my website, which is uh, SherilynConnolly.com, naturally, um, it has like all of my upcoming gigs listed. But uh, quickly, I can tell you that I'm doing uh, a couple of readings for the uh, Fimthology series, which, hey, hey, how about that? I happen to have a uh, copy of it right here. Nice. Uh, visible, a Fimthology, which is all about, like, you know, Fims and Butches and, well, mostly about Fims, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of readings coming up for that, one of which is at the Center for Sex and Culture on, like, on, uh, Pride's, on Pride Saturday, actually, and another one at Pegasus Book. Pegasus Books in Berkeley in July, 
And um, on June 10th at the Garage, I am doing a part of the uh, of the of Airspace as part of the National Arts Festival. I'm going to be doing a uh, acting out like a chapter from my just finished memoir called Bottom Feeder. That's the name of the book. And um, so yeah, a little a little theatrical solo piece that I'm going to be doing there. But yeah, no, it's all on my website, which <clears throat> I'm sure will be linked to from the Lesbian Podcast website. Of course, of course, naturally. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. My pleasure. So thanks for listening, everyone. And remember that if you need any love advice, I um, you can check out our website at thelesbianpodcast.com. Ask Charlie. Um, I think we had a couple glitches on the website before, but it's all fixed now. So I welcome your questions. And uh, also remember to tell your friends about the podcast and the website as well we always enjoy new listeners and also thank you again to all our supporters in the past for donating um to your community and the lesbian podcast and if you want to donate there's a button a huge button on (laughs) our website now so um you can't miss that and please stay tuned for our next episode we have another you haul it episode for you guys so i'm excited about that All right, stay sexy, San Francisco. Was it good for you?